Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de esa mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Oh yeah, and by the way, Dadwater son los mejores bebidas. Had uh, several of these over the weekend. They're tequila and water. There's the Tom, there's the Gary, there is the Steve, and the Rodney. So, like I said, no abate por no filter net, or will the thrill Clark? E Miguelito San Dieguito. But each and every single morning we come on here, dead or alive, here or not here, we like to properly salute and pay tribute to our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It is as simple as that. A very pleasant good morning to you on the 18th day of December 2023. We are approaching Christmas in the new year rapidly. Let's start off with the Daily Hustle electronic email communication where I finally have figured out how to subscribe. It's done. I got it all taken care of. So I'll be sending that out through social. And if you have not subscribed, please pay attention to my IG account in which I will send a link out for that. I think it's good shit. Each and every single morning, Come up with a little message. Obviously, we read it here on the Daily Hustle. And by the way, if you're listening on Apple, you are listening on Spotify. Is that Spotify? Is that a thing? It is. If you're listening on Caffeine TV, if you are listening on Fubo, wherever you may be consuming this content. If you want to join us live, come to nofilter.net. Typically, we'll record this anytime between... 8 and 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. But before we get into anything, let's not forget our title sponsor, Bet Online. That's right. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering information and not just the big four bet online has available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from mma to international soccer head to bet online and do not forget to use the promo code believe capital b l e a v for your 50 percent welcome bonus bet online where the game and gambling start. Also, don't forget about our partners, our proud partners at KT Tape. Get yourself some of the pro oxygen tape by hitting the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. Of course, my left side here. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, nor did I say it at Holiday and Express last night, but I can tell you through experience, the shit works. When you apply the tape, it lifts the skin, promotes blood flow to that area, thus reducing inflammation and pains associated with it. KT Tape, deflaming muscles since its creation. Lastly, to focus for the show, I got myself a shot of this Verge Greatness. Mm -mm -mm. It's a little lemon. It is ginger. It is cannabis. Mm. Look, I'm not going to come on here and pimp shit I don't use. This is incredibly soothing on the throat. If you've ever had a shot of ginger, little lemon, cannabis, and I don't think too many people are taking a shot of cannabis, but lemon and ginger, like that immediately alone just perks you up. And we're looking for that sustained high, not the quick hit, sugar, come, go, you know, gone type of thing. We're looking for the one that will stick around a while. So that is what Verge brings you. Go to tryverge.com and ask for our guy, Jory, over there. He will take care 
of all of your Verge needs. Okay, the email this morning. Buenos dias. Today is Monday, December 18, 2023. If you haven't ordered your effortless book, DH222 Masterpiece or Foot Reflexology Board for your entire office and or classmates, slap yourself in the face, kick yourself in the midsection, and then head to ericburns.com, E-R-I-C-B-Y-R-N-E-S.com, and we got you covered. Yes, the foot reflexology board, that's a game changer. I continue to I think to myself, like we sold thousands and thousands of boards. We haven't sold enough. We really haven't. I know there's other boards out there. They, they, they're fake-ass boards. Like the, the OG is this. And I want to thank Express Spa, really, because they're the ones that inspired me to create the foot reflexology board when they stopped making them. So it's a real shot of life when you put your feet on these things. It promotes blood flow to the area uh, and essentially hits these little trigger points throughout the body. Foot reflexology is thousands and thousands of fucking years old. So be sure to pick yourself up one, but most importantly, it's a gift that keeps on giving. So I used to give these out to all my friends. I'd go back to MLB Network. I'd go to the express spot at the airport, and I literally would clean them out. If they had 10, I'd buy 10. That's not true. But I, I, I'm pretty sure I walked there with like five one time. And I gave it to Kelly Nash, Lauren Shahadi, Kevin Millar, DeRosa, whoever. I know I definitely get one for or Paul Severino. Steven Nelson, by the way, old office mate of mine. I was hitting some balls against the pickleball dink backboard the other night. And on comes Steven Nelson on SportsCenter. So fucking cool. Like to see somebody that I was sharing an office with at MLB Network. It's not that MLB Network, some minor leagues or anything. But he was hosting a Saturday night sports center, prime time from LA. I just really enjoyed that. I took a picture, sent it to him. And he got back to me. Basically saying I made his day. So it was cool to see him. And he's working for the Dodgers as well. So Joe Davis is the other guy, young guy, but it's such a big responsibility to do 162 games and never miss. I mean, there's so few Vince Scully's in the world. And Joe Davis is obviously somebody that will do other things as well. And so you have him doing NFL on Fox. So with that, you then bring in Steven Nelson, who is your, let's say, backup guy, whatever you want to call him. But what a good guy to have on the broadcast when Joe Davis is not there. This is the revolution of sports broadcasting. Daily Hustle quote of the day. Those who spend all of their time telling people what they do sure as shit aren't doing it. Daily Hustle translation. We can't hear what you are saying because we are too busy watching what you are doing. Walt Disney was a hustler from the beginning. When in grade school, he ran an early morning and evening paper route and also took Saturday courses at the Kansas City Art Institute, teaching him how to cartoon. After his family moved to Chicago, he became the cartoonist for a high school newspaper and attempted to join the Army during World War I, but was rejected because he was still too young. He ended up foregoing, or excuse me, forging his birth certificate and joined the Red Cross as an ambulance driver and was shipped to France toward the very end of the war. When Walt returned, he worked as an apprentice at the Pressman Rubin Commercial Art Studio, but was eventually let go. This prompted Walt to move to California to be with his brother, Roy, recovering from tuberculosis and explore cartooning and animation opportunities out West. Then, as I say, the rest is history. The brothers started Disney Brothers Studio, which became Walt Disney Productions, which created Alice's Wonderland, Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie, Pluto, Goofy, Donald Duck, the Three Little Pigs, Snow White, and the Seven Dwarfs, Dumbo, Bambi, Cinderella, Robin Hood, Peter Pan, 101 Dalmatians, and Mary Poppins, just to name a few. Walt was nominated for 59 Academy Awards and won 22 times, both still records today. Disney's obsession to bring people joy also led to the design and creation of Disneyland known by many as the happiest place on earth. The most amazing part 
is that construction of the world's most famous theme park began in July of 1954 and was completed just one year later in July of 1955. Think about that. One fucking year. That's it. That's all it took to build Disneyland. I just still can't get over it. I mean, I'm watching a house. There was one on the corner over here. It took five years to build a house. It's a big house, like 9,000 square feet. But five years to build a house as opposed to one year to build Disneyland just doesn't make sense to me. Oh, yeah. Apparently, soft openings didn't exist in the 50s because the opening ceremony of the park was broadcast live on ABC and watched by over 70 million people. To this day, Disney companies include ABC, ESPN, Fox, Marvel Entertainment, Lucasfilm, Pixar, National Geographic, and many more continue to produce film, television, and stage entertainment across the globe, while each year hundreds of millions of people continue to visit the different Disney theme parks all over the world. 57 years ago last Friday, Walt Disney died at the age of 65. Yet, there was no question he lived a life and built an entertainment empire, park, and eternal legacy that, as the New York Times described, tastefully combined the pleasant things of yesterday with fantasy and dreams of tomorrow. Look, we all can't be Walt, but each and every one of us can live a life right now that has the immense potential to positively impact the future. So long as we quit telling and start doing while remembering Tomorrowland is built today. See ya, EB. That's good. So I wrote that on Friday. I was going to do a daily hustle on Friday. And then uh, long story short, but I got done with it too late. What didn't want to come on here and try to rush it. I said, I'll save it for Monday. And that's why I wrote about Disney. I figured out that that was the day I go to this fun fact site. That was a day that Walt Disney had passed away, but what an inspiration. I mean, what a go-getter, what a doer. This is somebody who obviously had this zest for life and 65. Don't get me wrong. It's not super young, but at the same time, you know, I feel like that guy lived 150 years in his 65 years or possibly even more with what he was able to accomplish. I mean, this is one of the most accomplished human beings that I think has ever walked the face of the earth. There's no question about that. Okay, let's get to the top five news stories. First and foremost, we are a life optimization podcast. Okay. First and foremost, we're a life optimization baseball podcast. We are listing the baseball category. So we cannot ignore that. So the number one with that, we're going to start with the number one habit that will make you happier. Here it is. The number one simple habit that will make you happier. It takes less than two minutes. This is from a happiness researcher. Stephanie Harrison. Well, good morning, Stephanie. Quote, just feel your feelings. How many times have you heard this message, whether in social media posts and articles about mental health or from well-intentioned friends? Unfortunately, this often is difficult to do because many of us have never actually been taught how to feel our feelings. That's a good point. As a researcher on the psychology of happiness, I've seen how this can create problems for our well-being. Without knowing how to feel our feelings, it's difficult to treat ourselves with compassion, make wise decisions, and grow as individuals. Step number one, notice the feeling. Take a deep breath. In and out to center yourself, then turn inward and ask, what feelings am I experiencing right now? I feel a joy, energy. Looking outside, it's raining. 
but I love the rain. No, don't get me wrong. I'd much rather have the fucking snow, but hey, we'll take it. <sighs> okay. There's my feelings right now. Um, pay attention to any physical sensations that you are experiencing. For example, you're able to discern anger due to a tight sensation in your chest. No, no anger. Or notice fear because of a jittery feeling in your hands or legs. No, neither one of those. Step two, name the feeling. Putting your emotions into words makes them easier to manage. How would you describe your emotional experience right now? Annoyance? Mm -mm. Anger? Mm -mm. Envy? Nope. Fear? Not here. Disgust? Nah. Disappointment? Nope. Sadness? Uh-uh. Grief? Mm -mm. Something else? Yeah, just excitement. Ready to charge your day. The more specific, the better. Fuck, man. Still feeling the same, same way. Nothing, nothing new here. Describe the feeling out loud with phrases like I'm experiencing disappointment right now. Okay, I'm experiencing happiness right now. Is that okay? Are you supposed to? Accept the feeling. I do. Growing up, many of us were taught to suppress or hide our emotions. So as an adult, your first instinct might still be to push them away. You may think it's wrong to feel the emotion. Research has found that suppressing our emotions can have negative consequences for both physical and mental well-being. Instead, we want to accept it. This emotion is offering you the opportunity to make a different, healthier choice. Use a phrase like, I accept that I'm feeling angry right now. I dig that. I could see that. I was frustrated last night, say the least. Got in a pretty heated ping pong game with Biscuit. And the first game, we, you know, we're playing a 21. And I skunked them, 11-1. But we stopped at 11-1. I'm like, let's just go new game. He goes, okay. Well, the new game starts, and he shows up, a different dude. And I go down 5 nothing. Then I go down 10-6. He goes, your serve. I go, what do you mean my serve? He goes, game point. I go, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. My serve, game point? We're going to 21. He goes, dude, we only went to 11 the last game. I said, well... We're going to 21, but I skunked you. There's a skunk at 7 nothing and 11-1. And he didn't get it. So I was frustrated. And we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So whatever. But we could tell that was one of the times that, yeah, I would, I've been upset because I did not want to lose my first game to him in ping pong. No, my, my game's too tight to just give one up like that. Now, I've lost him before in several. Like, he's beat me in pickleball. I, not regularly, but every now and again, you know, he'll get me. So, I think it's just one of those things, you know, when you're feeling anxious, too, a little anxiety, talk about it. One of the greatest things that my dad ever told me was, don't take your feelings personally. And... With that, when I was younger, I always would think to myself, like, what the fuck, Dad? Like, what are you talking about? My feelings are who I am. And I also used to think that I was a great baseball player because of my feelings, because I had these emotions that would help me go out there and put this full send effort out onto the field that obviously help make a name for myself and overall yeah i think there were times where sure it hurt because i would try too hard but in the long run i think it did a lot more good than not so when my dad would say don't take your feelings too personally i just didn't get it and then he passed away and i wrote the effort list and i was reflecting upon a lot of the things, not just that, that he gave to me. 
in my lifetime. And as I was writing about the taking your feelings too personally, it just clicked. And it was like, wait, hold on a second. Okay. And by us not taking our feelings too personally, let's just say, I don't know, somebody gets picked over you for a job or uh, a promotion or to start on the team at school. And you get really angry and really upset and it's the end of the world. And you're so, and you want to talk shit about this person, talk shit about that person. No. How about feel the air pass through your nostrils and then all of a sudden figure out, Hey, Look, I, am I upset about it? Of course, you can't do anything about those feelings. The only thing you can do about the feelings is not to take them personal. So it says here, step number five, stay with the feeling until it changes. Hmm. At a certain point, you will notice that the feeling has changed. You might now feel calmer, like a storm has passed you might notice another feeling emerging in its place. This is a sign that you allowed yourself to fully experience the emotion. And emotions are good. Remember, it's the feelings that let us know we are alive. Step number six, offer yourself compassion. Take a moment to offer kindness to yourself to honor what you just experienced. There are many ways to do this, including putting your hand on your heart and saying, I'm here for you. Physically soothing yourself by giving yourself a hug. I'm not sure I've done that in a long time. Or taking a few deep breaths. Validating your experience with a phrase like, I really felt sad just now, but I didn't. Uh, reflect on what the feeling has to teach you. It's critical to remember that this emotion has a purpose. It can help you to better understand yourself, your life, and what you need most. When we suppress our emotions, we cut ourselves off from the inside. Ask yourself, what thought led to that feeling? How did my past experiences influence that thought? What does this feeling indicate about my needs for my needs or how my needs are being met? What lessons does the emotion have to teach me? Number eight, decide how you want to respond. Now that you've experienced your feelings and learned from there, you're ready to respond with wisdom and make the best choice that you can. That will look different depending on the situation. You might need to pause, gather the information, ask for help, prioritize a specific need, or reach out and connect with somebody. Ultimately, by using this process, you will be able to make a plan that will support your well-being, empower you to nurture your relationships, and help you achieve your goals. Stephanie Harrison is the founder of The New Happy, an organization advancing a new philosophy of happiness. She is an expert in happiness, speaker, designer, and author of the forthcoming book, New Happy, published by Penguin Random House. Follow her on Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I will definitely check her out. All right. the. Other big news, at least in the baseball world, I saw this last night before I went to bed. MLB rumors. Cubs get litany of bad news on Cody Bellinger. Chase, huh? The Chicago Cubs offseason priority has shifted to re-signing Cody Bellinger in lieu of Shohei Otani, who inked his record-breaking $700 million deal with the Dodgers a week ago. Bellinger spent the 2023 with the Cubs on a one-year contract, which couldn't have gone any better for both sides. After successive hitting seasons of 195 and 210 with the Dodgers, Bellinger slash, this is insane how up and down he is. 307, 356 on base percentage, 525 slugging, 26 homers, 97 runs driven in, and 499 at bats in his first season with the Cubs. Now it's a question of whether or not it will be his only season with them. John Heyman of the New York Post recently reported a two-horse race for Bellinger services between the Cubs and the Blue Jays. The Jays were a prominent Otani suitor, so Toronto has the money to burn and a clear mandate to improve the roster, ideally with a power-hitting lefty. Bellinger is the perfect fallback plan. Well, Bellinger could prefer 
to reteam with Chicago after a success last season. Money talks. His agent, Scott Boris, is a notorious proponent of taking the best offer available, and the Blue Jays could be willing to pay a steeper price for Bellinger. The latest report for Hammond suggests that Bellinger's contract could exceed $200 million. Okay. You got to be careful, man. I mean, I love Bellinger. I do. There was just some volatility with that. This is a guy that hit 195 and 210 in 2021 and 2022. He had a monster year in 2023. I believe in Bellinger. I do think that last year was more the norm. But 200 large, man. Remember, the Cubs signed him on a one year for 20. So 200 seems like an astronomical amount of money. He was projected, actually, when I did look at it recently, in the 180 range. So to think the Cubs could come up 20 to get near where the Blue Jays are, I definitely would do that. And as much as the article here wants to say, like, look, Scott Boris is a notorious proponent of taking the best offer available. Well, fuck that. This isn't about Scott Boris. This is about Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is the one who's ultimately going to make that decision. Now, Boris may advise him to take that money from Toronto. But unless I was with Toronto and came up with Toronto and fell in love with Toronto, I'm just not going to Toronto. I'm not. Not if I have the option of going to play for the Chicago Cubs. Not after I'm coming off a great year. They would have to pay so far through the roof. And I don't even know if there's a number. Because ultimately, money will never buy happiness. I said this about Otani. It will never, ever, 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 ever buy happiness. But you know what can? Having success on a winning team. That makes you happy. So if Cody Bellinger believes Chicago is the best place for that, fuck it. Chicago is the best place for that. But the reason why he hasn't signed yet is because Scott Boris is doing his job. He's going to try to drive the price up as high as possible. It says Blue Jays surpassed Cubs as a favorite to land Bellinger. I don't believe this. This shouldn't come as a surprise. Toronto Blue Jays front office is taking an aggressive approach to improving the roster in 2024 with Otani and Juan Soto off the market. The next best lefty bat is Bellinger. All right. We'll see it says a few worrisome indicators continue to plague Bellinger discourse. His 31.4% hard hit percentage landed in MLB's 10th percentile. Well, his expected batting average of 268 doesn't measure up to Bellinger's actual success. There's a narrative of luck and happenstance around Bellinger's 2023 bounce back. Ew. Right now, the Blue Jays are driven by a strong desire to plant a power-hitting lefty alongside Boba Shett and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup. We will see if Chicago steps up to the plate. I mean, of course, they have the fucking money. So you go 200 for Bellinger. I mean, it's, you were going to go 700 for Otani. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll see uh, the, how that whole thing shakes out. The next... Big piece of news here. The Giants are leaders to sign NL Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell. Good for the Giants. Now you're going after the right guys. Pitchers. Those are who are, are interested in coming to San Francisco. The San Francisco Giants look like the top candidate to re-sign reigning NL Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell, according to USA Today's Bob Nightingale. Snell may not sign with a new team until fellow free agent Yoshinobu Yamamoto finalizes his deal According to Nightingale, Yamamoto's contract is expected to be north of $300 million. A starter that Snell led the NL with a 2.25 ERA and threw a career best 234 strikeouts with the Padres in 2023. Finished the season 14 and 9, 32 starts, 180 innings. But Snell declined a $20 million qualifying offer. The Giants have been consistently reported as a candidate for the biggest starting pitchers available this offseason after struggling with consistency in 2023 starting rotation. The team is still looking to return to the playoff contention by adding a veteran talent. Yeah, look. I get it. 
The Giants are also chasing Yamamoto. Now, apparently, Yamamoto met with the Mets. He met with the Yankees. He is going to get a contract north of 300. And then where does that put Blake Snell? He's got to be right there. Snell's older. But other than that, I think I'd probably rather have him just because he's proven at the big league level. So this one will be interesting as well. But again, like if I'm the Giants, that's what I'm going after. Just get the fucking pitching, man. And do everything you can to trade for position players or go ahead and put all of your resource into the draft and developing position players and then go sign free agent pitchers. But obviously it's been proven that free agent bats aren't interested in playing in San Francisco. We could go over this every single day on the fucking daily hustle, but I feel like a broken record by now. It's just not a desirable place to hit. It's not. And this is coming from somebody who raked there. I loved it. I would have signed there, but I was the aberration. So unless you find the aberration and, you know, the Korean kid, that might be an aberration because you're dealing with somebody that doesn't quite get that ballpark yet. They've also made the ballpark a lot more hitter friendly. So that's also something to be uh, pointed out. Okay. The uh, next big news story here. As you see, I'm wearing the Houston Oilers sweatshirt. We have the Warren Moon jersey. You have the Earl Campbell signed football helmet. You have the old Astrodome right there. Now, the question I'm sure a lot of you are asking at home is, man, like, why is Burns an Oilers fan? I'm not. Not at all. I'm a fan of nostalgia. I'm a fan of cool logos. I'm a fan of shit that makes me happy. The Oilers, for whatever reason, make me happy. They really do. My greatest memory of the Oilers is watching my Buffalo Bills come back when they were down like 35 fucking points against them. So, again, just as somebody that loves the gear, and I like the city of Houston. That's cool. I also feel for the Houston fan base when it comes to football because you had the Tennessee Titans pack up and move from Houston to Nashville and then they completely dropped the Oilers, right? But then when the Texans came a few years later, it was like, yeah, they're going to be the Oilers again, right? Well, no, it wasn't even an option because the ownership group that took them to Tennessee wouldn't let it happen. So for all these years, basically this logo, anything Houston Oilers, just ceased to fucking exist. It went away. And then this year, it was brought back by the Tennessee Titans. And it got such rave reviews, right? They had Oilers all over the stadium. It looked really cool. They had this oil rig at the 50-yard line. And you thought, okay, just a nice little tribute weekend to the old unis. Well, the Titans then decide to bring back the uniforms. But this time, against who? The Houston Texans. These are two pretty equal teams fighting for a playoff spot. So in the biggest game of the year, the Tennessee Titans say, fuck it. We're going to go ahead and pull the ultimate troll on the Texans and Houston fans and wear the Oilers shit. Well, how did that work out? Not very well for the Titans. As they lost in overtime on a 50-some-odd-yard field goal, and I got to imagine the entire city of Houston put up the double bird to Tennessee and said, fuck off. Don't ever wear our shit again. I brought this up from the beginning. I did. Because 
the first time they wore them, I questioned, is this a team that should be wearing them? The team belongs to the city. They do. The Oilers belong to the city of Houston. I went on a rant about this. We posted it. It didn't do very well. I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine I have Houston as like a huge following base of Deuces Wild and the Daily Hustle. But again, like this is one of those things where if the uniforms are going to be worn, it just would make a lot more sense if it was the Texans that wore the unis. So instead, it was the Titans. This is the second time, and they actually did it against Houston, which I'm not a sensitive guy. I'm not. And I don't believe that we have to worry about this person's feelings and this person's feelings. It's like, fucking get over it. Like, you got, you got to deal with, like my dad said, don't take your feelings too personal. You're, you got to deal with whatever you got to deal with. And then you move on. Well, this is one of the rare cases where I actually would feel for Oilers fans or Houston fans. Ultimately, they got the last lap. And there's an article here that was in the Texans Daily. It says, Houston, Texas, social media trolls Tennessee Titans after Oilers loss. Here we go. The Titans performed maybe one of the most underhanded troll jobs in history of the NFL on Sunday. They broke out the old Houston Oilers throwback uniforms for a home game against the Houston Texans. Of course, the Titans originated in Houston and played there from 1960 to 1996 and took the Oilers' records, colors, history, and logos with them to Tennessee where they became the Titans. That should never happen. NFL should never fucking let that happen. I mean, that's, that's where they went wrong there. Whereas if you have the team and say San Francisco 49ers and you're going to move that team to Tampa Bay, I just think it back to the Giants, right? So you have the San Francisco Giants are going to move to Tampa back in the day and then they became the Tampa Bay whatever. Well, if a team wanted to reestablish itself at San Francisco, it should be able to be the Giants. Right now, remember this: the Cleveland Browns went to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens, and then they restarted the team in Cleveland, and they were Browns again. You also had the Baltimore Colts go to Indianapolis and remain the Colts. But if you're going to rename the team, it's one thing if you keep the team name in another city, but if you are going to rename the team. That old name's got to be up for up for grabs. And I'm not saying that Houston would have come back as the Oilers. It wasn't like they had this, you know, crazy success rate. They didn't, never won a Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure, though, they did have some success when they were still just an AFC team before the Super Bowl started. But regardless, it says here it's an, on Sunday, in the ultimate bit of trolling, the Titans forced Houston fans to cheer against the Love You Blue. Look, but it was the Texans and their fans who go who go to the who got the last laugh of the 19 to 16 overtime victory in Nashville after the game. The Texans social media jabbed back at the earlier post by the Titans. Happy Oilers game, Houston versus Tennessee. Oh my goodness. Uh we call that a win for the Texans, both on and off the field in the troll category. The Texans beat the Oilers Titans without star rookie quarterback CJ Stroud, who is still in concussion protocol, backup Case Keenum filled in under center and overcame an early interception for a touchdown and four sacks on the day, ultimately thrown for 229 yards and a touchdown for the win. Houston was also without top receiver Nico Collins, right tackle George Fant, and a pair of defensive starters, including Will Anderson Jr., number three overall draft pick. It was a third straight win for the Texans who could again get the last lap against Tennessee come playoff time. The Titans are currently eliminated from playoff contention while the Texans are the first team on the bubble in the number eight seed with three games remaining. So I don't know if the Texans are going to end up making the playoffs or not, but they made a fucking statement yesterday that is 
for sure. The Buffalo Bills, by the way, absolutely dominated the Dallas Cowboys. And if you're a Dallas fan, you got to be thinking, oh, jeez. Holy shit, man. Can we win a game against a quality team on the road? The answer to that is no. You haven't proven it. So what does that mean? Come playoff time, you better get home field advantage. Although it's looking awfully late for that. The Niners, oh, I, super scary moment with Brock Purdy going down, was lying there, sort of motionless. Apparently it was a shoulder injury. I'm guessing it was a stinger because you're kind of moving his leg and the way he, the helmet to helmet hit happened. So he then went into the medical tent and the stinger, it almost feels like a, uh, when usually happens from helmet to helmet, the contact had a couple in high school and it's, it's kind of a scary thing. And then you just sort of come out of it. So the Niners completely fucking dominated the Arizona Cardinals yesterday, scored 49 points. I mean, not to say that the Cardinals are a good team, but then you had the Cowboys scuffle mightily. And then you got the Eagles who Eagles. I got I got to assume they're playing the night. Um, Anyhow, the 32 things we learned from week 15 of the NFL season. Number one, Stampede coming. The Buffalo Bills have now won three of four since firing offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. I mean, why do you got to bring that up? I mean, I get it. But, I mean, do we have to make a big deal? Why, why do you got to go so negative right away? They're averaging 29.3 points in that stretch following the 31-10 rollover of the Dallas Cowboys that knocked America's team out of first place in the NFE. So that is now controlled again by the Eagles. Number two, the Bills remain stuck in that ninth place overall in the AFC, a spot in which they ascended Saturday, but their eight and six mark matches the Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston Texans. All those clubs aren't playing the Los Angeles Chargers and New England Patriots the next two weeks. Number three, after some early season mishaps, Buffalo QB Josh Allen would need a Hail Mary to win the league MVP award. The Bills probably have to win out, including a week 18 win at Miami to simplify or to simply recapture the AFC East. But he is burnishing a more realistic case for offensive player of the year honors. He's now accounted for a league that's 37 touchdowns. That's 26 passing and 11 rushing. I mean, when it comes to the MVP, the big debate right now would be Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think that's it. Now, ironically, both those guys were my fantasy quarterbacks. And whoever I started that week, the other one had more points. And it literally left me out of the fantasy playoffs. My mismanagement of the matchups that the two of those guys had. I mean, first I started with Lamar Jackson, obviously. And then he had one down week. So I put in Brock Purdy and then who was lighting it up. And then he had a down week. So I went back to Lamar Jackson. And then he had a down week and just went back and forth and back and forth. It's like, fuck, man. Well, those are probably the two leading candidates right now for most valuable player. Dak Prescott could get back into contention, but getting stompeded by the Buffalo Bills uh, did not help his chances. And yeah, you have to consider Josh Allen in that category. Uh, the other guy who I think is actually the real MVP is Christian McCaffrey. He's the best football player in the NFL, period. He arguably is the best football player of all time, period. He deserves a most valuable player award. If you were to ask any fantasy player, Christian McCaffrey is the most valuable fantasy player. Done. That's it. Where else do we have to convince the league that, well, hey, fantasy and... uh Real life, real NFL actually fucking coincide. That's your most valuable player. Period. I mean, when this became just a quarterback award is fucking beyond me, man. I, I it doesn't make sense at all. If you look at quarterbacks, even from a fantasy perspective, 
Like, they're all pretty similar in that range, right? They're going to average 25 points. Well, then you got Christian McCaffrey, who's averaging 25 points as a fucking running back, who absolutely does it all. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He can throw the ball. He can do whatever you want him to do. He is the best player in football. He is the best player I've ever seen, period. Stamp it. Done. All right, number six here. As far as the Cowboys, their fourth road loss and third embarrassing one following earlier setbacks at Arizona and San Francisco. Raises questions about the viability as Super Bowl contenders. Number seven, Chicago Bears wide receiver Darnell Mooney has given new meaning to the term fail Mary. Oh, jeez. That was bad. And I'm glad he didn't catch it. I mean, I'm rooting for the Browns. I like the Browns. But, yeah, the fail Mary. Plus, I had the under 37 and a half in this one. Right through Darnell Mooney's hands at the end. He was falling back, and it was just kind of an awkward thing, but it goes right off his hands, off his feet, and it ends up getting picked off. I just think the fail Mary is one of the greatest names for any play that we've ever heard in the history of the NFL. It really is fantastic. Number eight, the Chargers may be in the market now for a new coach. But good news is interim boss Giff Smith, given fellow substitute teachers Anthony Antonio Pierce of the Raiders and Chris Tabor of the Carolina Panthers, got wins in week 15. Antonio Pierce, I've heard nothing but great things uh, about him. So he is uh, definitely a candidate for the Raiders to become their full-time guy. Number nine, prior to this week in the Minnesota Vikings, averaged 15 points per game and Denver Broncos 16 per game they had the least stingiest defenses over the previous nine weeks then they combined to surrender 69 points that's how it goes number 10 and over the preceding five weeks no d had been more airtight than the pats 11 points per game it got torched for 27 and 326 against the kansas city chiefs number 11 still taylor swift didn't enjoy the show as much on a day when KC tight end Travis Kelsey was limited to five receptions, 28 yards, and by his own insufficient acting skills. They say insufficient acting skills, but it definitely looked like a pass interference, and Taylor Swift was fucking pissed. It was cool to see her in the stands, but not in the stands, but in the luxury box. And she's a fan. She is a legit fan getting pissed out there and saying what the fuck and she's slugging down beers if she's not endearing herself to the american public i mean the the one group that she didn't have was probably that 25 to 60 year old male that really didn't give a shit about her music and now they're watching her and her actions and her passion every sunday at Chiefs games, and you're like, man, I like this bitch. Fuck yeah. I want her on my side. So, Taylor, you got my vote. President 2024. Sissy Smallfry has a banner. I'm not kidding. Taylor Swift for President 2024. Uh, number 12. With the Chiefs, Andy Reid, and Patriots counterpart Bill Belichick matching wits Sunday, their personal matchup became the first in league history pairing head coaches with at least 250 regular season wins. That's cool. North 13, 557 combined regular season wins from Reed and 301 from Belichick are 61 more than the next prolific head coaching couplet, which was Don Shula and Tom Landry going at it. Number 14, Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur lost two games in a six-day period. His team falling to New York, and then Tampa. Number 15, with the old NFC Central Battle of the Bays going on with the Bucs, it's Tampa that looks like the much more viable playoff outfit. Number 16, speaking of the Giants and Orleans Saints, turn the tables on rookie quarterback Tommy DeVito's Italian celebrations and Sunday's 24-6 runaway win. Incidentally, the Saints are right there with the Bucs in the NFC South. The Saints were like six and a half point favorites in that one. 
and we took the Giants. And the reason being was like, the Saints should be fucking favored by six and a half points against anybody. And they shouldn't. They were, and they covered. It was almost one of those lines that was so fishy, you'd go the other side. 17 here, huge game this Thursday as the Saints head to Los Angeles to play the Rams, who moved in the NFC's final wildcard position Sunday. Both teams are 7-7, seven to seven, but L.A. is playing decidedly better football after winning for the fourth time in five games. The Rams look fucking good, and they've been blowing teams out too. Number 18, league MVP candidate and leading receiver Tyreek Hill. You know, the Miami Dolphins missed the first game of the season with an ankle injury, still at 1,542 receiving yards. Cheetah would have to average nearly 153 yards over the final three weeks to reach his record-breaking 2,000-yard goal. That's possible. It really is. He's that good. It says Hill does have five 150-plus efforts in 2023. That's my point. Like I said, very possible. Number 19, despite his absence, the Dolphins whitewashed the New York Jets 30 to nothing. I mean, had the over in this one. Jets, can you score a fucking point? One goddamn point. That's it. One touchdown. That's all I needed. One touchdown from the New York football Jets. Couldn't get it. So in the two games, they swept the Jets by a margin 64 to 13 just fucking embarrassing you think you could have built on the week before when they ended up having a fantastic week zach wilson actually looked like a decent quarterback but apparently not uh 20 here miami running back raheem mozart rushed for two touchdowns meaning he reached the end zone he's reached into 20 times this year wow that's crazy that's a dolphin single season record I mean, more than Mark Clayton, more than Mark Duper. Big numbers. Mozart had 19 career touchdowns over his previous eight seasons. That's why, look, that's why you got to love the NFL. Land of opportunity. Okay, 22. The Jets were also eliminated from the playoffs for the 13th consecutive season. NFL's longest active draft. Did we ever think they were making the fucking playoffs? Did anybody ever think that? No chance. And now people are questioning whether Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. It's like, why? No. That would be the most idiotic thing I've ever seen if he tries to play in the next couple of games. Look, reset. Use the fact that he's coming back as the big positive for next year. They had a great, great defense. Build off of that. Bring in a couple more offensive guys. And this could be on for the New York Jets for next season. The parody in the NFL is real. I mean, you could be a shitty team one year and a great team the next. Number 23, Tennessee Titans are no longer eligible for the postseason. See ya. Number 24, Houston took extra glee in eliminating the team that left H-Town and took the Columbia Blue Oilers uniforms with them. And wearing them again Sunday did seem a bit excessive. Note the Titans logo in the social media posts. Just savage. Yeah, it's bad. So it says... I want to I want to see this one here. They show the Titans logo. And oh, the Oilers. I mean, this is good. Let's play this again. If you guys see, so there's a Tennessee Titan logo. It then becomes oiled out by the Texans. So good. Regardless, I just want to see the unis. They they those need to be worn every Sunday. They're the most beautiful, glorious things I've ever laid my fucking eyes on. They really are. All right, 25. Speaking of would-be MVPs, you can't discount San Francisco 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey. Like Mozart, CMC has 20 TDs after scoring three against the Arizona Cardinals, an effort to help the Niners officially lock up the NFC West. McCaffrey, seven touchdowns this season against the Cards are the most by any one player against one team during a season in the Super Bowl era since 1966. The league's rushing leader with 1,292 yards, McCaffrey's trying to become the first in-season wire-to-wire rushing champ this century. He's already the... He's already the... Jeez. That's my wife ripping up the driveway. I mean, we got snow, we got slush, we got ice. Seemed like a big effort get up there. She made it. Anyhow, 
Uh, he's already the fourth player with at least four seasons with 1,000 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. New Orleans Saints tight end Jimmy Graham. How old is Jimmy Graham, by the way? Seriously. I mean, Jimmy Graham, I swear to you, I feel like he's got to be no less than 57 years old. How long has Jimmy Graham been in the league? I, I might be totally off on this. And I, you know, generations run together with other generations. I feel like I was still playing baseball when Jimmy Graham was playing fucking football. Uh, he has four TD catches a season. He has two other receptions on the year that did not produce six points. And that's it. Huh. Well, hold on. Siri, how old is Jimmy Graham? I mean, this never fails, right? All right, let's try this again. Let's just put Jimmy Graham age. Jimmy, um, 37 years old. I mean, it looks good. Athlete, too. I get it. Like, one of the better athletes ever played. In the NFL. I mean, remember how much of a beast he was when he first came into the league? Absolute savage. Yeah, he was born 1986. Sure it wasn't 66. He has been there forever. Anyway, uh, Detroit Lions tight end Sam Laporta won't win Offensive Rookie of the Year honors and probably can't hope to finish much better than third behind Stroud and Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua. Still, Laporta became the first rookie at his position during the Super Bowl era with at least 700 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. Good for him. Uh, 31 here, already looking forward to Week 16, which begins with that potentially pivotal Saints-Rams game Thursday. Colts-Falcons. So Saints-Rams on Thursday. That'll be a big one. The Rams should absolutely destroy them if they play their capabilities and how they've been playing. Colts-Falcons. Browns, Texans. That'll be a good one. Lions, Vikings, Jags, Bucks. And by the way, the Jags. Did anybody else get fucked on that no touchdown call last night? We had teased the Jags to the over. So we needed 36 and a half points. And we needed the Jags to cover 10. Well, they had a touchdown clearly at the end of the game. And it wasn't even close. Where there was a bobble, receiver secured it, his ass was in bounds, they showed it from multiple angles, touchdown. It goes to review, they uphold the call in the field for a non-touchdown, and we get absolutely screwed. Now, the implications there, for the game, the under was still going to hit. So for all the normal lines, I don't think it really meant shit, but... If you had the teaser, Jags to the over, like we did, that completely fucked us. Like, oh, get the call right. How do you have review like that and not get the call right? Do they not understand that every one of these points matters to the gambling population? There's always action somewhere by somebody. The NFL needs to realize that. Do not, just because the game was already settled and out of hand do not get lazy on us the replay officials can go fuck themselves as far as i'm concerned that was awful do your job as bill belichick would say just do your job it's not hard watch the replay and then make the correct call that everybody else in america would have made whether they're raven fans or jaguar fans or just part of the degenerate gambling population make the right call that's it. <sighs> Onward, upward. But if you're looking for huge presence under the tree, Dolphins, Cowboys, 49ers, Ravens. Oh, this ought to be a good one. A really good one. See what this line is. 49ers, Ravens will deservedly, and in, in obviously Dolphins, Cowboys, will deservedly be among the game's most hyped matchups of the season. Even if only one of them is a legitimate Super Bowl preview. Feel free to make the guest party goers and happy holidays. So let's check this out while we can. Just go over to 
I go action sports or I can hit up CBS sports right here. X out of it, go to scores back and then let's go to Sunday, December 24th. I mean, so this is happening. Wow. Just like this. We got Christmas Eve action and that will be the Cowboys at the Dolphins. Dolphins minus one and a half. Oh, really? That line seems fishy. Pun intended. Don't you think it should be Dolphins by more? It almost scares me that it's that low. And I don't think it should be by much more. But I think Dolphins by three and a half is probably what I would have guessed. And you figure the Dolphins and Bills are pretty even. They were just in Buffalo. Buffalo was minus two and a half. And then after the performance last week, attack an extra point on there. Maybe Dolphins minus three would be the appropriate number. But no. Um, Looking at the other lines, Colts at Falcons would be the Falcons plus two. Commanders at Jets. Jets minus three. I mean, what a dog shit matchup that is. Packers at Panthers. Panthers plus four and a half. They got their second one of the year yesterday against the Falcons. What a fucking debacle by the Falcons. And yes, I had them too. So you can see not very happy about uh, a few of those games and the way they went down. The Titans plus two and a half at home against the Seahawks. Yeah. Titans out of playoff contention now. The Sea Chickens trying to hang on. Look, Will Levis and the Titans are not giving up, though. This team's going to play hard to the end. Patriots at Broncos. It's Broncos minus six. Browns at Texans. I said this is going to be a good one. It's Texans minus two and a half. I like the Browns. I do. I just like the defense. I like Joe Flacco, the way he's been playing. The Texans, they got by against Tennessee, but I don't think Tennessee's that good. Jaguars at the Bucks. This is a pick'em. The other thing that resonated with me last night, and I might be wrong on this, or the Ravens' defense might be that good, but uh, Trevor Lawrence just looked like shit. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's not good or what the case is, but he did not look well last night. It was tough. Watching him throw the football. And he was kind of shaking his arm. So I got to think something's wrong with him. I I like the Bucs in that matchup. The Jags did nothing to show me that they are a legit playoff team that's going to do some damage in the postseason. No fucking chance. Lions at the Vikings. It's a Vikings plus three. Lions on the road. I don't know. You got a little Jekyll Hyde act with them. So... I, I guess original thought would be, yeah, I like the Lions. I don't love the Lions. They show up one week. They look like a Super Bowl contender. They show up the next, and they look like a non-playoff team. Cardinals at Bears. Here's another dog shit matchup. Bears minus four and a half. I wouldn't trust anything there. The Bills Chargers. So this is on the 23rd. Bills at Chargers. Yeah, the, the line's exactly what you think it would be. It's a Chargers plus 12. It's a big number to lay on the road. But if you've seen the Chargers lately, they look awful. And then you have the Bengals at the Steelers. Steelers are plus two and a half in that matchup. So I guess I, I can't find, unless it's on Thursday. Well, Thursday is the Saints and the Rams. It's the Rams minus four. Friday is no NFL football. Saturday, I mentioned the two games there. And then Sunday, I just can't find that 49er game. Are they playing on Monday? And my thing doesn't even go out that far. I wonder what that line is. I think the 49ers are at home. So... I'm going to take a guess that 49ers at home against the Ravens. 
let's say 49ers minus four. Does that make sense? All right. It's 49ers, Ravens, line. Okay. And 